Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson. In this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. In today's episode, we're talking to Brian Downard, a marketing consultant who's been featured for his work on sites like Entrepreneur, Inc., HubSpot, and more. Brian focuses consultancy specifically on lead generation and lead nurturing. Think helping his clients get more leads for their business through optimized channels like Facebook ads, Google ads, and organic traffic. Then he puts systems in place that convert more of those leads into customers over time. Brian started doing marketing consulting while he was still a full-time student in college and has been at it for almost 10 years. He's been through ups, downs, and has learned a hell of a lot when it comes to getting high-quality clients. Now, Brian's spending more of his time coaching and creating digital products for others who are looking to get into marketing consulting. In this episode, we're talking about how Brian got his start as a marketing consultant and what it took to eventually land features on major publications. We're diving into Brian's step-by-step workflow that anyone can use to attract dozens of new consulting leads each week, spending just $5 a day on Facebook ads. We're covering everything Brian has learned from launching online courses, including his first failed launch and how he completely turned that around for his next one. All of this and much more. As always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Brian Downard. Brian, welcome to the show. What is going on, Ryan? I'm glad to be here. All right, man. So I've got a warm-up question for you. What book are you reading right now or what has been your favorite recently? Uh, right now on my desk, I have the Profit First book um, by Michael McCullowitz. And uh, it's awesome, man. It's really all about uh, taking profit first in your business. I know a lot of us, our expenses scale as our income does. Uh, and this teaches you how to guard against that. So I'm loving that right now. Yeah, that's actually a really um, pertinent topic for me right now. I was just writing something about this because um, it's so tempting to, especially as like you get more client demand, if we're talking about being a freelancer or a consultant, to want to like immediately start outsourcing stuff. So I'm curious like how you see the book's lessons applying in your business. Yeah, it's it's funny. I don't do this with too many books typically, but what I've done with this one is I'm stopping at the end of each section and I'm actually taking action on what I've learned. So since I'm just cracking it open and still getting the concepts together, what I'm basically doing right now is setting up different bank accounts at my bank. So when I do get money in, it's not just going into one big pot, but I'm splitting it up in a way that I do have profits set aside and then I have, you know, a set number of what I can actually spend on things because, uh, yeah, I'm the same way, you know, and whether it's wanting to hire someone or join a new mastermind and invest in yourself and learn a little more, um, your expenses can go up. And then, as you know, if you lose a client, you know, that can quickly uh, do some damage to your business and ego. So learning how to guard against that a little better. I love that. Yeah, that's smart. Um Well, cool, man. So something you and I initially really connected over was that we're both marketers. So can you tell our listeners here today what kind of marketing you do and for whom? Yeah. So uh, right now, at least, (laughs) I'm focused on the small business niche, 
working with a lot of people in the home and garden industry specifically. Uh, and for them, I focus a lot of my attention on paid traffic. So whether that's Facebook or AdWords, whatever's best for their business, uh, a little bit of conversion rate optimization. So obviously, once you get people to a website, getting them to actually opt in and become a lead for my client. And then uh, the third piece I focus on is automation. So uh, nurturing leads through email series, text uh, messages and things like that is really my focus for small businesses. So what does your pitch typically look like? Um, just even like an overview when you're approaching someone that you think might be able to benefit from your services. Yeah, it's funny. I think I have a somewhat of a different take. I don't go in with the mindset of needing to pitch someone. Uh, I go in with the mindset of needing to uncover what their pain points are. I, I also teach a lot of digital marketers online and so many people pick the wrong clients because they pick people that don't actually need what they're selling. You know, they go in, find a business, make a pitch. I really, you know, I tried that in the past and it's like trying to fit, you know, a square peg in a circle hole. Um, you want to identify, or at least me personally, I try to identify the client's actual needs, the pain points around that. And then I try and build my pitch around what they're actually struggling with. If I can in fact help them, you know, I'm not trying to be everything to everyone. So if they're like, Oh, I need SEO, but I don't do that. Um, Obviously, it's not a good fit, but if I see they're struggling on Facebook and I know that they want to generate more leads because they're telling me that, it's pretty easy to build a pitch around what I do. And I don't you know, necessarily like the word pitch that much because I, what I like to do is something I call pre-framing, which is share resources and things that give them confidence that show rather than tell them what I'm capable of. Yeah, I actually really like that approach. And I think it's something that that people who've been doing freelancing consulting for a while will start to like sort of subtly pick up on themselves. So I guess like in that context, then how do you um, start identifying prospects that could have the pain points you can help solve? Yeah. So uh, I look at, you know, prospecting outreach and two different areas, basically one is cold and one being warm. So, you know, warm, I'll start there because that's usually the easiest. Um, and that's really networking with the right people. It's old school, but going to events where the people you want to meet with actually congregate. Uh, so you can have a more warm introduction and that way it's a lot easier to have a natural conversation, start to uncover their pain points and then see if I can actually help them. But if I'm going to be reaching out totally cold to a business, Usually I'm going to do some research on them first. So I'm going to, for example, Facebook ads being one of my main offerings, I'll go to their Facebook page and I'll research. Have they been posting recently? Are they boosting posts? Do they get a lot of engagement? How many fans do they have? And I use all this information to kind of guide me when I'm either going to reach out to them via email, cold call them or whatever I want to do. But honestly, as my business has grown, I've moved away from doing cold outreach. I feel like there's so many marketers out there. Um, you know, a crazy stat that I share all the time in 2013, there were 3 million advertisers on Facebook. Then, um, 2016 was four, 2017, it's now five. So there's just so many people and marketers trying to come online. Cold outreach is, you know, slowly, I think, in my opinion, at least losing its effectiveness and because of the amount of time that I have to invest in cold outreach, it's just not a smart use of my time right now. So uh, I typically will do 
you know, go to the warm introductions when I can. And then I'll, again, just dig deep dive into their pain points and figure out what you can help them with if, in fact, you can. Because that's a big thing, too. People will respect you and even refer you if you're like, you know what? I just don't do that right now. This is what I do offer. You know, maybe down the road we can work together or maybe you know someone you can introduce me to. So do you ever get um, leads that come to you? So referrals is one thing. Do you ever get inbound leads? So whether it's like website or from... Um, different like courses you've thrown out there. You know, you have a Facebook group that's also free to join um, related to marketing. So I'm curious, like if there are any inbound channels where people come to you and how and why? Yeah, it's funny. I'll split that into two areas again. Uh, I have recently been doing paid traffic to uh, create some inbound leads. So that's been working incredibly well for me, especially in real estate. So uh, essentially, I run a clicks to website Facebook ad on Facebook um, with a video case study. It's you know pretty much four to five minutes of me explaining um, exactly the campaign that I ran, sharing a case study for a past client. Um, and I'm really linking just to a Calendly link and people are seeing that ad, watching it, hearing the offer and then booking time with me. So that's honestly, you know, the last, over the last three, four or five months is really the first time in my business when I've been able to master paid ads for myself. And again, not master, but see some traction with paid ads and inbound leads, which is cool for me because I can wake up in the morning and sometimes you only know, have two, three, four calls booked. Um, I'm only spending about $5 a day on that ad now. I do have other priorities, but when I was spending $20 a day on it, uh, I would wake up and I would have leads in my inbox, which was incredible for me. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Did you ever but, book any deals um, from yeah, that campaign? Yes, yes. I got two deals. Uh, one is now a long-term client still, and another we're still just onboarding. So when I say long-term client, I'm hoping they'll be a long-term client. They seem like they're a good fit. And it goes back <laughs> to what I was saying earlier. You know, I really use that phone call as the platform to qualify them to me. It's not, I'm going to see if I'm a good fit for you. It's, I'm going to see if you're a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. When you kind of position it in that way, people see you a lot more as the expert. And again, they respect you when you tell them, like, listen, this isn't a good fit. Mm -hmm. But uh, in terms of my website, you know, sporadically throughout the years, and it's interesting, you might have different experience and other consultants might have different experience with this. I've always felt, you know, content marketing, blogging, all that stuff, it's has long term benefits. And I've definitely benefited from it. But in terms of my, you know, consulting business, I haven't really seen a huge amount of people, you know, come through my website, you know, find my stuff and then wanting to work with me. So I found that interesting. Um, it's been easier to go to the people, find them, and then give them the stuff that convinces them I'm the right person to work with. Now, I will say, though, I've done uh, webinars with companies like SEMrush, and that did get me a client, actually. So I did a mm -hmm. Facebook advertising webinar with them. Uh, we had a few hundred people on the call, and a few days later, I had someone reach out who wanted to work with me just because of that webinar. So, yeah, it's, I see and I understand the value of content marketing because I obviously do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but in terms of a client acquisition strategy for me, I've realized that it's not worked the best for me. Maybe Have you had a different experience with that? I've had different experiences. I mean, first of all, I love that you test so many different things. I think that's genius. And, you know, when you find the thing that works, like stick to it for as long as it works and then, you know, yep. move on. Right. But like, I would say that, yeah, as far as inbound from content marketing, I have had a different experience and I don't know, chalk it up to 
doing it longer or maybe mixing in some luck or just being present on a lot of different publications also. Um, but I've been able to get a lot of leads that come from, um, I have a page on my site that ranks, um, on the first page, somewhere on the first page, usually for like, if you search freelance content marketer or content marketing consultant, um, those types of terms and that one. Yeah. It's like, so the page is similar to what you were discussing as your sort of like inbound ad funnel to where I've got like a video um, case study and testimonial from one of my clients who's like a pretty recognizable dude in the startup world. Um, and the page just breaks down like in depth, the case study. And yeah, I found that a lot of people end up shooting me an email after seeing that page. So yeah, I mean, definitely a long-term play. Like I've, I've had that page and I've been optimizing that page and adding to that page for, I mean, well over a year. So it does take time. Absolutely. That's awesome though. Are you doing some, uh, I don't want to get too in-depth with SEO here, obviously, but some authority sculpting there where you, because you've got a lot of really high-ranking posts. Are you linking, you know, from those posts to this page to increase its ranking or you know, if you just made that page so good, you come up for freelance content marketer. Oh no, it's, it is heavily linked from stuff on both on my blog. And then like when I have the opportunity to add in like tasteful, relevant links, um, within content I'm writing elsewhere, I'll definitely throw it in. And sometimes I'll add that as like my bio link when I'm going out and guest posting too. Right. So yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of a, it's a fun formula to figure out. And it's, you know, it's always changing and evolving, but yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So I want to actually take this back a step now. And I wanted to ask you, do you remember your very first business? Oh yeah, absolutely. What was that? Uh, that was a business in high school where we were making t-shirts actually. <laughs> it was called, uh, you know, the furthest thing away from digital marketing, but, uh, the company, I don't, it's funny. I say the name now, like I loved the name in the past and we had a reason why we chose it, but it was crow's nest lifestyle clothing. Um, my buddy had a, had a crow's nest at his house and it was literally like this weird little area up on the top of his roof. We would hang out there and we were kids. So, um, yeah, we named it after that and we made t-shirts. I had no idea what I was doing. We literally, it was like, out of a garage. My friend had a garage. We bought a t-shirt printing machine. I learned how to do graphic design. And yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. Um, we had, I put this in air quotes right now because it's a podcast, but we had a couple of professional skaters, you know, skating for us. <laughs> and when I say professional, you know, they were like 17, 18 years old. But one of these kids, he actually skated with Bob Burnquist or competed against Bob Burnquist oh, in a contest. Wow. And we were like, we were jacked. Like he was rocking our t-shirt, like doing flips <laughs> in a half pipe. So, you know, at 16 years old, I guess that was all we could have really asked for. But by the time we got a little older, didn't realize we knew, had no idea what we were doing. Uh, college came around. We all kind of went our own ways. But mm-hmm. yeah, honestly, I don't know if I would be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't learned some of the painful lessons I learned back then. Yeah. And I mean, if anything else, awesome side project for just learning and, you know, whether you made any real money with it or not, isn't a big deal, especially when you're that age and you're, you know, you're still living at home. So yeah, it was, it was funny looking back. I don't remember money being a a huge motivator. You know, nowadays it's 
more of a motivation. I, of course, have my own bills and that. I was in high school back then, so I didn't. But yeah, it was funny. Back then, it really wasn't about that. It was just about having fun with my friends and seeing if we could make it happen. So you you mentioned earlier that you know you're starting to get further and further into teaching other people how to be better marketers and how to grow their business. Um, you, you've got the la- Laptop Empire Lab. Um, can you tell us more about that side of what you do now? Sure. So um, I'm fast forwarding from Crow's Nest. Um, four or five years ago, we were making iPhone apps. So similar to, you know, the agency side of things. So over the past, you know, five years, just really learning how to go out and find clients on my own, because I was never in sales. And I envied a lot of people who had sales jobs because they know how to sell like us as marketers, we're timid, we'd rather write write blog posts about it. (laughs) Um, And I know for you, it's awesome. You strategically made that work for you. So you have inbound leads. But a lot of us, you know, we're willing to hide behind our blog and just hope people find us. So uh, through my realizations that that doesn't work, my goal has been to educate uh, other people uh, about what I've done, what's working and how they can kind of, you know, move past those roadblocks I face. So it doesn't take them quite as long. And of course, you know, on a, maybe a personal and a selfish level too, as much as I love the work that I do, one-on-one client work, you know, we were talking a little bit before the call here, can be frustrating when, you know, certain clients go away. It can take large pieces of your income. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have, you know, either digital products, membership sites or whatever, different streams of income, it makes your business a little more easier to, uh, to run month to month. Oh, completely. So yeah, like, can you give us then an idea of what someone could hope to learn from joining one of your programs or groups? Sure. So uh, to, to clarify, uh, I did at one point, this is now just a couple months ago, have three different online programs. Uh, All three, I did different levels of launches. And I think some of your listeners will appreciate this. All three launches sucked went really, really bad, didn't go well, but it's just, it's just a weird thing I have in my head. I guess I just don't care or I know that's part of the process and I know just to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. So what I did is I took those training courses and I put them all into the Laptop Empire Lab. And the Laptop Empire Lab is a membership site uh, it's really targeted at three types of people. Uh, one, the people who want to start a business, um, digital marketing business, but don't really know how to do it. Uh, two is for the people who have a business, but they're just not really sure about how to get more clients, how to keep the ones they have. And the last group is people uh, like you and me who do have a business, but we're looking for ways to uh, create new income streams and automate more of our lead generation like you and I were talking about. So yeah, it's really um, what I wanted to do. My goal with it was, was I realized a lot of courses and things online, they just teach one specific area um, of marketing typically. And I wanted people because there's so many different pieces and steps along the way owning a digital marketing agency, client work, all that stuff. Um, I wanted to create something that actually would give them not only the training, but personalized feedback they need to kind of um, get to that next level. So either if that's feedback from me or the other members we have in the group, um, that was really my goal with it. So people can come there, they can learn and feel like they're a part of something uh, because I'm sure you can relate. Uh, Being an entrepreneur is really isolating, especially when you're kind of in that gray area of, okay, your business is now really working. Um, you know, you sacrifice a lot of things, friendships, relationships. 
Uh, and it can feel isolating when you can't go talk to someone about all the frustrating things you're dealing with because they just don't understand or care. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I think the community was kind of the culmination of what I've been learning over the past couple of years, realizing I want to create my own tribe um, and then now starting to put those people into this community. How have those people been finding you? Right. So I did a launch for the community and I am proud to say that of four launches that I've done in my life, it was the first one to really go well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we launched with 60 members inside the community and how they found me was I actually did a mini course. Now you might remember this. I reached out to you for feedback a while ago around um, client acquisition and things like that. Do you remember? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I took uh, input from people like yourself, bloggers, influencers, uh, put that into my free course and then kind of use that as the platform to promote it through you and other people. So uh, when it was all said and done, I had about 500 people take this mini course. I put them all into a Facebook group, got them really engaged and really excited. And by the time the launch rolled around, uh, it went well and we had 60 people in there. So now um, it's funny to answer your question. How am I getting people to find the community now? Now I'm down to really now it's experimenting. So mm-hmm. asking myself what worked during the launch. Um, and I, a big part of that was you build an event kind of and have scarcity. So something I'm going to be testing and I don't, I don't want to bore you too much with this stuff, but you know, you might appreciate this. I'm going to be taking courses that are inside of the community, um, every month, just one, and I'm going to give away each lesson for 24 hours to my free community. So everyone can get everything, each video for 24 hours. Um, so there's that urgency there. And if you want the whole thing, now you can log in and get it. So combining mini launches like that with paid traffic right now is really where I'm at. I like that. And that's actually um, kind of a similar model to, so I worked at Creative Live a few years ago, and I always think of course launches um, in the context of how they did it there. And it was that same model of like, you know, deliver all the goods for free for 24 hours. And then, you know, hey, if you missed part of it, or if you just want access to watch any time, then you can buy the full course. So I, I think you'll definitely experience some success with that, especially for the people that that are able to set aside the time and tune in and, you know, maybe get some real takeaways from what they saw for free. They're going to be like, oh, my God, you know, if I got this much out of the free thing, then, you know, what could I get out of joining the full course? Yeah. And honestly, you nailed it right on the head. That was my intention when I created the free course. Um, I literally had three people say that exact thing to me. Like I got more value out of this free course than in courses that I paid for. So that was really, really my goal because I knew once I got them excited and showed them what I'm capable of, what I can help them with, um, you know, I was able to the pitch was a no brainer for the community and I got results too. That was, that was a key thing. I literally like worked one-on-one with some of these people over the phone, like helping them work through it. And this one guy, he had the most generous testimonial, but you know, he was saying he was homeless a few months ago and living in a gym and he took my advice and was able to land two clients. So I, I, I smile when I still hear those, those kinds of things. But yeah, I, you know, got results for people before I tried to sell them anything. Yeah, I think that's that's incredible. First of all, that testimonial. And then, yeah, I mean, second, definitely the process you have to go through whenever you're creating a course. And that's that's something that I have so many conversations with people about who want to launch a course or a membership program or something like that. They want to like fast forward to the day that they've got this, you know, video training series ready for people to buy. And 
you know, when you don't go through the process of actually working one-on-one with at least a handful of people, it's just impossible to create something that'll actually help people once they buy a productized version of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy, man. Like I, I don't consider myself uh, an expert by any means at product launches. I'm still learning. Uh, but because I leveraged my free Facebook group effectively, uh, I'm now partnered up with, uh, I'm not sure if you know who Charles Bird is. Um, teamed up with Charles Bird right now on his launch because he's like, dude, I loved what you did and I want to do a membership thing with my launch. Can you team up with me to do that for mine? And I made the caveat, like, I'm no pro at that, but I did it. I'm happy to consult with you and work on it. So yeah, man, it's really cool. You can just, you know, you keep doing things over and over again until a point where you just get it and then people start to notice. So <laughs> yeah, and opportunities that you could not have predicted will come about because you do that publicly. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. All right. So I want to transition over to some of my frequently asked questions now, and I keep the questions intentionally short on my end. They do not need to be equally so um, for the answers. Okay. Sure. You got it. All right. So do you have any particular strategies or pieces of advice for how to get your first 100 subscribers, leads, or potential customers? Ooh, okay. Um, can I, I can I ask a question about the question? Absolutely. <laughs> so are we talking like like client leads or like leads for like a course or a membership? Because I, I consider those to be, you know, obviously very different. I think in the context of our convo here, it probably makes the most sense to go for talking about client leads. Okay. Great. So, uh, yeah, I always recommend you deep dive your personal network. Uh, people might not want to do this, but the best way to get conversations when you're just starting out is to talk to people you already know. And the reason is uh, people want to work with people they know, like, and trust. And I'm, I know you've heard that before, and I'm sure your uh, listeners have as well. Uh, but when you're just starting out, you don't have any of that. <laughs> you don't, you don't really have many, uh, you don't might not have any results. You don't have testimonials. You don't have any of those things. What you do need is a person in your corner who says, you know what? They're a stand up guy or girl. They're going to work hard for you. And, uh, I really recommend them. That's going to do be so much easier for you than if you, you know, are trying to do cold calling, cold outreach, paying for ads. Any of those things are going to be a lot uh, more difficult until you have um, that first result testimonial or something, because again, people want to work with people that they can trust. And if other people, you know, refer you, it's going to go a long, long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of building up a list to you saying, you know, possibly closer to a hundred, uh, again, face to face networking, I make it a point to go to industry events at least two to three times a year. So uh, I'm flying out to Chicago in just a few weeks to go visit. And there's going to be thousands of people in this industry there. So I'm confident I can get at least, you know, 50 people that I'm introduced to just there that might be potential clients down the road. So, uh, I, I wrote a blog post about this in the past. So it's something I called the fishnet formula. Uh, and what I tell people is don't just take your boat out and go to a random spot and throw your line in and see if you catch something. Go to where the fish actually are. Follow the big fishing boats. You know, if they're thro- casting nets and pulling in a lot of people, go to those places. So it's it's a silly analogy, but so many times people just try and go to the place where they can only maybe reach one or two people. Go to the places where... They're actually meeting and congregating, uh, and you're going to have a lot easier time getting introductions and getting leads. 
That's a great term, by the way, the fishnet formula. Sounds like a book title. (laughs) (laughs) I should write about it someday, but it's nothing, it's nothing crazy. It's just partnerships. But I just wanted to use the analogy for people to understand, you know, if you go where the fish are, it's going to be a lot easier to catch one. Cool. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, so yeah, next question for you then, uh, what's been the best investment you've ever made in the context of validating an idea? So we could be talking about, you know, validating a service idea or validating, you know, a course or a product. Um, and I think, you know, this investment could be in the form of time, money, online tools, products, services, or otherwise. Yeah. So I think our conversation we just had uh, a couple of minutes ago about the time that I invested to create something that was worth people's attention and then spending even more time to speak with the people individually going through it to see if it's right for them. And I literally, before I launched, had a pre-sell list of more than 40 people who I personally had messaged and asked if they would be interested in this. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I didn't do during any of my other launches. And while I wouldn't say it was a huge investment of my time, you know, I spent probably 15 minutes to 30 minutes on the phone with at least 20 to 30 people, uh, aside from messaging them on Facebook and doing all these other things. But that investment of my time to create something that's worthy of their attention, that they give me the time of day. So when I ask, hey, you want to talk about this on the phone? They're excited about it. Just having the creating something interesting, getting them to talk to you and then validating it um, was, I think, the biggest reason why this launch was the first one of mine that went well. And even just showing like that, that personal touch that you're a real person who actually cares about them will, in my experience, at least sort of reciprocate as those people bubbling to the surface and wanting to buy your program once it's available too. Yeah, a hundred percent. And those people become advocates and, you know, almost customer support reps on their own. I'm noticing a lot of the people who I spend personal time with, they're willing to go answer other people's questions in the group, which is really what I want. You know, I, I don't want to be speaking to people from a pedestal. I want them to feel like there's other people um, who are either behind them at the same stage as them or just a few steps ahead of them on this journey so they can all kind of support each other. So one thing you mentioned earlier was that your first few product launches were kind of just so-so maybe. Um, Have you had any validation tests or maybe even course launches that you feel like have been a true failure? And if so, have there been any sort of um, lessons that you've taken and applied moving forward? Yeah. So my first launch uh, was a collection of templates and I thought, you know, it was, it was good. And I think that it was interesting to people. Uh, but just the opposite of what we just talked about right now, um, I built it, I built the product before I spoke to anyone about it. And then I had it and I was so stoked on it. I was like, Oh, this is such a cool thing. People are for sure going to buy this. I like, you know, started promoting it without warming people up to the idea. And I didn't, I think I sold maybe two copies and one person refunded. Um, so, and again, I didn't have a huge list or anything, but I just, I made something before I asked if people even wanted it. And even if some people did want it, it they weren't in my audience. I didn't have the right audience to go sell that to. Uh, I just assumed, you know, my email list is going to want this thing because I say it's cool. And it's funny you ask, you know, did I learn from that? So, 
Uh, on the second launch I did, yes, I learned from it. I did a little bit of, you know, what do you want? But I kind of did the same thing again. I kind of built a lot of it before I really validated it. Um, I made a few thousand dollars on that launch. So it wasn't the end of the world. It was okay. Um, but I got really, I got worried really quickly because it was a course on creating infographics and infographics have done incredible things for my business, but it's a little hard to tie it back to ROI. So I wanted to create something around, you know, actually using content to make money. So I quickly like put together a course for that too and tried to launch it and it didn't go well. And you think, think I would have learned from the first time. Um, <laughs> so the fourth, again, this most recent launch, I, like we talked about already, I took the extra, and again, it doesn't take that much extra time. Like I'm talking like maybe a week or two extra of your time just to take the steps to get people excited about the thing you're going to be potentially selling through free content and then getting them to say, yes, I'd pay for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good takeaway. And I, I feel like the more times you sort of burn yourself by doing it the wrong way, the harder the lesson sticks. Which is a good yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And it's funny too. I, I always think back to uh, Brian Harris over at video fruit. He's got uh, a really funny blog post or I'm not sure it might have been an email he sent, but it's like a mouse who's throwing this, trying to throw this cracker like over a wall and he does it like 40 times, can't do it, like stops, takes a break, takes a bite of the cracker and tries one more time and like throws it over this wall. And it was just like this, it just stuck with me so much that you just have to keep doing these things over and over and be okay if it doesn't go perfectly because you understand that's part of the process. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many people out there who do product launches and things and they'll write these sexy blog posts about how they made $50,000 on their first product launch uh, and they're the exception, you know, not the rule. Right. So I, you know, have learned that if you want to be the exception and be the quote unquote overnight success, you need to fail your way to getting there sometimes um, and be okay with that. But again, I think it's something that I did in my business, and I recommend this to everyone too, is you do have multiple sources of income. So all the while, while these product launches were failing over the past year and a half or so, I was still doing one-on-one -on -one client work. Like that never went away. Uh, my long-term goal is to eventually replace that income through my membership site and other things like that. Uh, but I was... I, I has earning an income that was affording me to live comfortably so I could go fail at these things. You know, a lot of people, they're going to go all in on a course or something and it's not going to work and they're going to dash their hopes and dreams because they spend so much time and effort on it. Um, but now they have to go back to their job or whatever. They didn't have any other money coming in. So that's a huge thing that I recommend to people. You know, you're going to pursue the riskier, you know, things in business, like you're going to make a product or try to do something like that, have other income so you can, you know, comfortably fail your way and fall forward pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And so, all right, my last question for you is very closely related to what you were just talking about. Um, when a validation test doesn't succeed, so let's say, you know, it's the launch that fails or you're trying to drum up business for testing your way into freelancing, consulting, and you're not having any luck. So when your validation test isn't succeeding, how do you know when to throw in the towel and move on to something completely different? That's a great question. Uh, and it's funny. I might just might be a personal issue. I don't know if I know when to throw in the towel. I kind of look at things like 
you only you only fail once you give up. Now, if you've tried to validate a product multiple times and people have just not bought and they've told you it's not a good thing, then you can probably decide, okay, it's not a good idea. Um, but I am a big believer just because something doesn't work out the first time, it doesn't mean it's a failure. Um, if it, you know, two, three times, maybe people aren't just biting it. If you're actually having legitimate conversations with people and they're just telling you that they don't want it, um, then, then you can probably move on to a different project. But if you, you know, if people are saying they want it and they're just not converting or whatever the case might be. Then there might just be a couple of things you need to tweak. You might need to learn a new skill. Uh, so yeah, I might just be a crazy entrepreneur and just be banging my head against the wall every day. But I really don't stop doing things unless, um, you know, in my gut, I know that because I've had conversations with people that they just don't want it. You know, I, I think, think that's I'll, a great point because you you'll learn how to tweak your offer or how you're even positioning it. Maybe there's no changes you actually need to make to the product. Maybe it's all positioning just by having conversations with people. I think you learn that. Yeah. And I think a, a good um, maybe example of this, you know, I know you asked specifically about product validation, but um, I'll talk about, you know, funnels here for a second. You know, I, and maybe a lot of people are under the impression, you know, or, or I was under the impression Russell Brunson perpetuates this, you know, you're only one funnel away. So I was building these products and things like, Oh, I'm just going to build one funnel and I'm going to be rich. Right. It's the furthest thing from the truth. Like <laughs> you're going to build a funnel um, and it's not going to work right away. And that doesn't mean it's failed. It means you need to religiously track your numbers week to week and A, B, test it so you can optimize it. So, you know, a simple example was I didn't have any urgency in my funnel after my launch. Uh, and that was a big part of what got people to act. And so I could have just been like, oh, my funnel's broken. Screw it. I'm going to give up. This is never going to work. But no, every week I'm making a small change. I'm learning from people who have done it. And the minute I injected some scarcity into my funnel, now I'm starting to get some conversions. They're starting to trickle in. So yeah, I you know online marketing, I think, is an always evolving process. And if you can accept that and then set yourself up to ride those ups and downs by having other sources of income, um, you know, it's going to make the quote unquote failures a lot more easy to digest. Or if your product's not, if you can't validate a product or if that didn't go well or whatever, it's going to make that all a lot easier. Awesome takeaway. All right, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell everyone listening here today where they can go to find you online and learn more about everything you're up to? Sure. So my website, uh, briandownard.com, B-R-I-A-N-D-O-W-N-A-R-D.com is where you can get uh, my personal website, learn a little bit more about me. And if any of your readers are, are interested, I'm sorry, listeners are interested in the Laptop Empire Lab, it's just laptopempirelab.com and they can get information there. All right. Thanks again for joining us. Absolutely, Ryan. I appreciate the, uh, you having me on. If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.